Amen. Praise God. Well, you know, we're here for one reason this morning, to encounter him. You know, I'll tell you, we need a Holy Ghost interruption. Yeah. Rob's on fire today with the amens. <laughs> but we do, we need a Holy Ghost interruption. We're constantly looking for God to break in and take us deeper, take us further than we've ever been in his presence. Is everything to us. You know, people have come in here and you're going back out there to face stuff and you need to know that he's with you. doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, we need to know that. That, that song, you know, Lord, make us more aware of your presence. It's not that God's left us, it's that circumstances can squeeze them out. Before you know it, the weeds are choking the life out of you. Before you know it, worry's coming in. You project yourself into futures that's not there. Then there's a spirit of fear tries to attack your mind. And then there's all sorts of challenges in your head. There's fears within, fears without. All sorts of stuff come against the Christian. We're not in a normal battle. We're not fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting principalities and powers. And the only weapon we have against them is the word of God, the name of Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ. You know, the, you know people don't know what they're fighting out there. They just think they're having a bad day. People are getting thoughts they can't stop. You know, people are getting thoughts of take your own life, just never mind life, just get out, just in despair. And they think it must be just me. So they start to believe those thoughts. They start to think I am worthless. I am worth nothing. And there's an enemy uh, who, who, who's in this world. And the Bible says he's an accuser of the brethren. He comes and tells you, or constantly, people are bombarded. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You'll never get there. You know, you're never going to be a good Christian. You don't pray enough. I mean, you can't even put you, you can't even, there's some Christians can't relax on a couch because they feel the devil comes up and goes, you should be reading the Bible. You shouldn't be sitting there. You shouldn't be watching the news. That's three scriptures you could have read. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, the fact you, you can't concentrate. You're looking at that and you think, oh, I would have had a better day if I'd read that scripture. I knew I shouldn't have watched the news. I knew it. I mean, and it's like, you know, God's up there just looking down, waiting to squash somebody. Waiting to condemn somebody. When God is the opposite. <clears throat> when Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to, an <clears throat> to anoint, to preach me, to preach good news to the poor in the year of the Lord's favor. You know, in Luke, in Luke 18, he never used the word, and the Lord's revenge. Because this is not the time of God's revenge. This is the time of God's grace. This is a year of God's favor. You know, <clears throat> God will judge at the end of the world. His wrath's not coming right now. Yes, things are being judged, but God's not against this world. God's not fighting against it. God sent his son to die for it. God so loved the world. We need to make sure that we don't hate what God loves. We need to make sure that we keep that at the, you know, the Bible says don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. You know, don't take its ways, don't take its culture, don't take its attitude, don't let it squeeze you and mold you. And by the way, because something has been accepted for a long time, it doesn't make it right. Thank you. <clears throat> because something <clears throat> in the culture has been okay for years does not make it right. But all, all that happens is the abnormal becomes normal. Sin becomes more acceptable. You know, seeing somebody lying on the street, you say, well, that's just part of life. But I don't want to ever feel normal about somebody lying on a street or somebody taking their life or the world, the mess that it's in today is not normal. And we're preaching and we're teaching this series saying that we preach Christ and Christ crucified. And we're going to go through that this morning again. <clears throat> we're going to go through that and it's, the scriptures are going to, I'm giving you this morning, are going to be basic. This is what you're going to say. I know them. You're going to quote them before I finish them. 
But, you know, are we living in, still in the reality of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ? Are we living in the freedom of the power of that cross? Or have we got on so far now? Let me make a statement before I start to preach to you about the cross of Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross. We preach Christ and Christ crucified. And that's what I want to speak to you, Christ crucified. If you have just come into this church in the last few weeks, and you are saved. And if you have been in this church celebrating the 60th year anniversary, and it's really important that you hear that, this, your righteousness is the same. Your righteousness is the same. That's incredible. That's powerful. That it's the same. So if somebody came through this door 10 seconds from now, came in this altar, bowed the knee, they would have as much righteousness as we have who have been saved for 16, 17 years because the righteousness that we have is not ours. Now your behavior might be better, but your behavior is not your righteousness because your righteousness is like filthy rags. But make sure that your behavior doesn't make you feel that you're better. Make sure that your behavior doesn't make you judge. Remember where you came from. While you were still sinners, Jesus died for us. He who's been forgiven much, loves much. When you see somebody dancing next to you and waving their arms and you're going, oh, what are you doing? Why are you doing like that? They're dancing because they're saying, you have no idea the pit that he has delivered me from. You have no idea of the guilt that he lifted off me. You have no idea of the guilt that I carried in my heart. Let's get back to the cross and celebrate again. Thank God, the righteousness I have is the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. What a Savior. How can it be? How can it be? Make sure that your righteousness isn't like the Pharisees, that eventually that you get confused by imputed righteousness from Christ and make sure that your behavior is not taking you into a self-righteousness to be like the Pharisee. Oh, thank God I'm not like other men. I fast twice a week. Well, have a bun. <laughs> Seriously. Really. I pray more than any other man. I pray three times a week. That does not get you accepted by God. What gets you accepted is your belief that Jesus died for you and rose again. That's what makes you right. That's what gets you into heaven. Hallelujah. Anybody's behavior good enough to get them there yet? Oh, your, your behavior should change, by the way. We should be conforming into his image. Our attitudes should be like Christ. Have this mind in you. You should be bowing down and serving. We should be loving one another. We should not steal anymore. We should not lie anymore. We should be honest now. We shouldn't shout at our wives. You shouldn't be fighting with people. You shouldn't be flying into fits of rage. You shouldn't be taking substances that you need when God is the Prince of Peace. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. 
because there's a power in you now. Titus 2.1, the grace of God teaches us to say no to everything that's ungodly. And if you've got a grace that keeps you in your bad behavior and your old behavior, I wouldn't even call it grace because the grace that he gives is grace to change. It's grace to change and say no to your flesh. Isn't that great when your flesh doesn't have power? How many people here, I mean, I, I was an angry guy. I wasn't a hard guy, but an angry guy. And my anger and my attitude threw everybody's relationship away from me. And it was controlling me. But then when he came in, I had a power to put my feet on its neck. Insecurity robbing people's lives. Anger, bitterness, rage, judgmental spirit, all, all, all controlling people. We preach Christ crucified. This is about an exchange, and that exchange should bring change. I'm not felt, one of the things that I loved about getting saved was, every second word that came out of my mouth was swearing. Every word. As soon as I got saved, it stopped. You know, I've, I've, had, I've had some non-Christian thoughts in the years of... <laughs> words. But they never... They never, they never, but they were thought. And there's a power in Christ. You see, that exchange has took place. You see, we're meant to be peculiar people. We are meant to be different. We are meant to live different. We are meant to think different. And if you don't, you know, you're going to live in this limited life. And I'm going to show you in a minute. I've not even read a scripture yet, but if you bear with me. You know, the when Jesus died on that cross, it said the curtain was torn in two. It means you have access and fellowship and intimacy. Emmanuel, God is with us. Friends, I mean, if God is with us, we should be living in the supernatural. We should be living as more than conquerors. We should be living an overcoming life. No, I'm not saying we get there every day. We're not perfect, but we're moving towards it. We're moving towards maturing in God. We're not carnal. Paul said, I want to write to you, but I can't because you're, some of you are carnal. You're still getting involved in stuff. You're carnal. I mean, people say to me, I want to go back to the book of Acts when the church was great. I'm like, have you read First and Second Corinthians? People were getting drunk around the communion table, battling each other and taking each other to court. I'm like, that sounds like church to me. That's the church I know. Don't sit there, all self-righteousness. I'm telling you, that's the church. It's a messed up people. It's, listen, all I am is a messed up sinner saved by the grace of God. That's what all of us are. That's all, all of us are, messed up people. It's just that I'm further on than some of you who are a bit more messed up. But I was messed up. And people showed me grace and mercy on the journey while I wasn't quite there. Just to let you know, before I came into Teen Challenge, I remember lying on my bed, smoking a cigarette, rolling my cigarette and the tobacco all the way down my Bible, and God was doing a work in me. He who started a good work will finish it. And I was as righteous as a sinner could be then, with a fag in my mouth, because the righteousness is not my behavior. It's because I believed in Jesus Christ. And when I stand before him, he'll say, why should I let you in? I'll say, because of your son, Jesus Christ. And then know what he'll say. Then you're my friend. Nothing more. Would I not lift a burden off you this morning? On this performance mode. My goodness. When you get that, you're going to be bold. 
You're going to be strong. The other thing, if we make our behavior our righteousness, we will judge ever so severely. And I want to tell you, I've been a Pharisee and I've been legalistic and it's horrible. You see somebody smoking outside the church and you go, oh, look, oh, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, I don't think if you smoke, you won't get to heaven. I just think you'll get there quicker. And I think, God's got the po- I think God's got the power to take that thing out of your mouth. Anything. Paul says, let nothing master you. Get it under your feet. Because God's got the power to put it out. You should be living healthy and strong in the Lord. But because that person's smoking, I'll tell you, when we make our behavior, our righteousness, be careful because you might have to take the plank out your own eye. We don't hear sermons like this anymore. It's all about how great we are. No, I want to challenge us. I want to challenge our heart this morning. I want to challenge my heart to see if I've got any planks. No, I could build a log cabin. <clears throat> you know, you need to watch that your behavior does not become your standard because I'll tell you what, you will not be able to keep your own standard and you'll fall and it's going to be very painful when you measure yourself to be the standard. The standard of God's holiness and purity and highness and righteousness and rightness is Jesus Christ. He couldn't find a man. In the Bible it says this, all have sinned and fall short of his glory. It said by one man's sin, the whole world fell into condemnation. Do you believe that? Do you believe you were born in shape and in iniquity? Right, you were only born, you, you didn't get born and have a choice whether you were going to be born into sin. Nobody told you to lie, nobody taught you, some of you were brought up in good homes and nobody taught you how to lie, how to cheat, how to steal, how to shout, how to get angry, how to rage. The fruits of the flesh are in us when you're born. So when you see a little baby being born, actually, well, I'm, no, I'm not going to say it because you'll get offended. It's a little sinner. <laughs> going to grow up in the house and you're going to need to challenge it and you're going to need to get them to Christ because they choose sin, because they know what they're doing. Would you agree you were born in sin and there's nothing you could have done about it? That's true. Well, I'm, well let me tell you if you don't know, that's true because the Bible says it. But it also says, if that's absolutely true and you believe that you're a sinner because of Adam, why do you find it so hard to believe that one man's righteousness, that when you're born again, you're born into that righteousness? Hallelujah. You're right with God this morning. You're the righteousness of God. Right. Better read a scripture. But I'm trying to help us this morning and help me, no matter how long we've been. Humble yourself this morning. Because there's a lot of things stop us getting access to that supernatural life. Unteachable, all of a sudden we know everything. Pride. Familiarity. And we measure ourselves by ourselves rather than Christ. The Bible says this, God reveals his power through the cross. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. You see, to the Jews, it was a stumbling block. Uh, to, to the Greeks, it was an offense. Do you know what I think the worst? There probably won't be, but if there were testimonies in hell, do you know what I think the worst would be? 
You made it too easy. See, the Greeks were philosophers. They wanted to work it all out. You've made it too easy. That's what I love about Christ. An eight-year-old can believe. A dying man of cancer can believe. The blind, the lame, the sick can believe. Hallelujah. What a gospel. What a message. And those who, it's a stumbling block to their intelligence. It's a stumbling block to their pride. It's a stumbling block to their arrogance. And they can't get over it. They can't get over Christ. No way can a man come from heaven, be born of a virgin, and die. They can't get, see, it's for the mind. But we live by faith, and faith, faith is a gift from God. Do you know God gave you a gift of faith even to say yes to him? Some of us weren't intelligent enough. Some of us couldn't read or write. That's what I love. You can get a man in here this morning. You can get a businessman with an academic and a doctor sitting next to somebody who's illiterate, lifting their hands, praising God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The gospel, what a message. It's the power of God. Friends, I can't explain it away to you. I don't want to explain it away. I want to proclaim it and see the power of God's Holy Ghost moving in our nation and in our church. Paul says, I never came with persuasive words and eloquence. Oh man, if anybody could, he could have. He could have. He said, I, I don't know anything among you except Jesus Christ. I boasted nothing but the cross. If anybody could have boasted, he could have. Hebrew of Hebrews, powerful man. Powerful with words. Theological genius. And he said, I've emptied myself that I might be filled with Christ. And I preach this gospel with power. I'm just proclaiming it. And God's doing something. God shows his love on the cross. But God demonstrated his love for us. And this, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Now, if you're trying to get God's love and make your way up to it, I'll tell you, it's going to be a hard life because he's already decided he loves you. Listen to this. God removes our sorrows. Surely he took up our infirmities, carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God. Our sorrows. Listen to what it says. And our infirmities. He has the power to heal. I don't know why he does it sometimes, but I'm not going to shy away from a God who can heal. I don't know why he doesn't. And I can't explain it all. I can explain some of it and I can try to get clever, but I don't, but I know that he can. And I know that he carries your sorrows. Some of you have come in here, you don't look like it. But years ago, I used to help my mother with the shopping. We never had a car, so we had to walk. I used to carry the bags up to the house. 20 minutes walk. Your hands would be heavy. And there's people carrying stuff. Sorrows. Pain. Regret. And God said, I died to give that. Give that to me. Leave it at the cross this morning. The Bible says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. But that's going to come out of a knowledge. That's going to come out of a belief. That's going to come out of a faith. We become acceptable to God through the cross. Listen to this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21. In other words, that was my sin. There's Jesus Christ and this is what God done. I'm putting it all on him. Everything you've done, past, present and future is on him. There's forgiveness through the cross. Freedom from Satan. 
listen to this, and having disarmed the powers and principalities, he made a spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Colossians 2.15. Friends, there's an enemy who can't touch you. He can't touch you. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. He goes about like a roaring lion. But a roaring lion, I've never seen a wildlife program where a lion shouts over to a deer, just to let you know, I'm coming. <laughs> no, the Bible says he's like a snake, he's sneaky. So when it says he's like a roaring lion, what it means is I can't touch you, I can't get to you, you cannot curse what God has blessed, I can't reach you, he's died, he's got a hedge over you, I can't get near you because I'm disarmed and I've no weapon formed against you, so I'll prosper. I can't get to you, so what I'll do is I'll roar and I'll intimidate you. I'll put a Goliath in front of you. It makes you feel weak that you're standing on weak sand and you're, your children and your marriage and your life and your church and all hell's coming and you want to get on a bus and throw the towel in. He wants us to give up just when we're on the edge of our promised land. He wants us to throw the towel in just when we're on the edge of something great. If the enemy's coming in like a flood, it's because you're starting to possess and lay hold of that which God laid hold of you for. God has torn the curtain in two. You have all the power in the name of Jesus Christ. Start to use it. Start to not accept stuff. Start to not accept it. The walls of Jericho had to come down for them to enter into their inheritance. Let me ask you something. What are the walls in front of you this morning that's stopping you entering in to the inheritance of forgiveness, joy, and peace, and power in the Holy Ghost this morning? I'm telling you, kick those walls down, run through them, jump over them. I'm not taking it anymore. He has ripped the curtain. He died for me. I'm forgiven, and I'm righteous, and I'm taking hold for which he take hold of me. Get out my road in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and kick that wall down, and run through, and get but God died to give you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't be a pacifist just sitting there waiting for some preacher, some evangelist. No, God has given you the power. God has given you the authority. Listen, you might, you might not have a title, pastors, evangelists, teachers. They are there to bring order to his church. And so they should be. Everyone should be respected. But God has given you all authority, all power. When I went through Teen Challenge, I came in seven stones, skinny, thin, and I remember reading the book of Ephesians, my bony old finger. And I remember I found a word in Ephesians, chosen. Oh, I put my bony finger on it, and I took on the whole of hell. When the devil goes, look at you, you're never going to make it. You can't even finish this program full of guilt and regret, look at you. And I just kept looking at that. And I said, I'm going to talk back to the devil. I've got something to tell you. I wasn't voted in because of my behavior. I wasn't voted in because I was good enough. I wasn't voted in because I had any talent. I've been chosen. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> chosen. <laughs> chosen. And so have you. That's the only reason. I'll tell you, you're going to need to bow, bow, bow low to get saved. That's why it says it's hard for the rich. They don't see any need for God. There is no need for him. 
until you die. And there's two destinations forever. Oh, we need God. 60 years or 60 days, you need God as much today as we have ever needed him. Oh, I pray with all my heart that me especially, because I can fall into this, I pray that my good behavior and I just become a whim of my feelings. I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. I do the hokey-cokey and I turn around <laughs> and that's what it's all about. See, and you live there, there's no, there's no abiding, there's no long-term victory. You're always falling, you're always down, you're always fighting off depression and oppression and I'm not against that, but I'm telling you there's a place in Scripture where you can start to confess you can start to walk out of that stuff and find strength for God to get you through it and lift you up. I'm not just embodied of my feelings up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. I was good today, I was bad today, I was good today, I was bad today, I was good today, I was bad today, I was good today, I was bad today. I'm telling you, I, when you recognize Paul said this, in my flesh dwells no good thing. I'm thinking, man, if, if you said that and he was, he had something. Paul said, when, when you've seen him, when you get to the cross, you'll say, my righteousness is falsely rags. I gladly accept Christ as my savior. Freedom from past sins. John 8, 36, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. And I'm amazed how many Christians know they're forgiven, but then there's that one thing in your life you think, but that, God says, there's power in my blood to cleanse that as well. First John 1 John 1.9, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all of our sin. So if you made a mistake, you get right with him. Remember the prodigal son? He had it right. He's like, this is what we do when we come back to God. Oh, well, you know what? I just, instead of being a son, I'll just be a servant. I'll just, you, you try to have a conversation with him before you get back to him. I'll try and be good enough before I approach him. When the prodigal son came back, they said the father ran towards him. No questions asked. Never even said to him, where have you been? I told you that would happen. Hope you learned your lesson. That's what we would do. Tell you what, sit at the back just to make sure that you're really back. We'll just, we'll just punish you for another six weeks while the devil had his feet on your neck rather than come in the door. No, I'm not saying be stupid and I'm not saying be wise and put everybody up right away when they're backsliding, but I am saying let's not help the devil to keep our brothers crossed. When somebody comes home, let's have a party and celebrate. You were dead, but now you're alive. Hallelujah. You were dead, but now you're alive. Oh, they had a party. I know, but the older brother could not celebrate. He was in the father's house, but never had the father's heart. I love God because God wouldn't even let him come in to spoil the party. He said, you keep dancing. I'll go and sort him out. You dance away. There's a cake. That's better. Here you go. They're having a party and God's out speaking to this hard-hearted boy. Everything I have is yours. If you asked me for anything, I would have given you all these years. And he was the most, he was the most faithful. He never backslid. He never went out. But he went from the righteousness of Christ to behavior. And because he thought his behavior was better, he had a right to judge. And the father said, no, everything I have is your son. 
you've been faithful, you've been good, and he never got it. Oh, I pray today. I pray with all my heart. I know, I know this is a different message. I know it's not fault with the Holy Ghost, but I'm telling you, is your beha- are you basing your relationship on your behavior or on the finished work of Calvary? Freedom from present sin and worries and cares and fears. You're listening. For sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law but under grace. Romans 6, 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you. What's got dominion over you? What lust? What sin is trying to master? It's at your door. What temptation? What struggle? What keeps condemning you that you can't get over? Well, this morning, leave it at the cross and let the power of God release you. Let the snare be broken this morning. Freedom from judgment. Freedom from everlasting death. Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen to this. Romans 5, 8 to 11. But God, but God demonstrated. But God demonstrated His own love for, for us, while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by the blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have received reconciliation. Friends, Emmanuel, God is with us. If God is with us like he was with the early disciples, if God is with us the way he was with Paul and with Peter, fishermen, tax collectors, prostitutes, the nobodies, the foolish things of this world, if God was with them and they lived such a supernatural life, lived a life of overcoming in the midst of persecution and a a culture that was against God, can our children and can not me and you meant to be living in that supernatural life where we hear the Spirit say, go here, go there, being guided and governed by the Holy Spirit. Can God help you in your work tomorrow? Can God save our families? Can God turn our cities upside down? Does God care any less for Derby than he did for Nineveh? You see, Jonah didn't know, did he? Know what Jonah said? Don't send me to Nineveh. Now listen to me. This is God's prophet. Don't send me because I know what you're like. That's what he said. I know you're full of grace and you're full of mercy and you're full of love and you're full of kindness. If you send me there, they'll get saved. (laughs) I wouldn't want to go to Nineveh. They were nailing people to the wall. They were ruthless. He said, I don't want to go. But he didn't want to go because he didn't want to go because he didn't want them saved. And I thought, God, why on earth there was thousands of prophets you could have chosen from that era. Why did you choose a reluctant prophet? He, he ran away. He ran in a ship. He went in the opposite direction from where God was telling him. And God found him, threw him off the ship, got a whale or a fish or whatever it was to swallow him and swam him to Nineveh and a whale. I mean, you, you couldn't make this story up. 
Somebody asked Billy Graham once, how can you believe that a whale swallowed a man? And Billy Graham said, if the Bible said that the man swallowed the whale, I'd still believe it because it's God's word. <laughs> the whale spews him up on Nineveh. And he preaches and the whole place gets saved. And I'm thinking, God, why did you use a reluctant prophet? And this is the answer they give me. Because nobody at that time knew me like he knew me. He knew about my grace and my compassion. And nobody could have preached my love more than that man. I know what you're like. And when we don't know what he's like, we beat ourselves up. We, we cut ourselves. You might not cut yourself physically, but you cut yourself inside. I'm no good enough. I can't make it. And God said, stop cutting yourself up. If you knew me, and if you knew him, I'll tell you, your word would be full of grace and love and preaching the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would rather, that's why I think God uses people who are sometimes are a bit messed up. They're messed up, but they know him. I know what you're like full of grace. I know that if I go there, they'll get saved. Does God care any less for this city, our children, our lives than he did for Nineveh? No. Has God changed? No. In fact, we, under the new covenant, we know him even more. The cross of Jesus Christ is the center of everything. Do you know when Jesus Christ died? Do you know when he started loving you? Before the foundation of the world. Wow, how well behaved were you then? <laughs> how much did you fast then? I'm serious. This self-righteousness, I'll tell you, it hides itself in balance, in stability, in dignity. But I'll tell you, be careful because it's there. Put it at the cross and say, God, it's all grace. It's grace that got me this far, and it's grace that will take me home. Bring me back to the cross. No, you don't stay at the cross, by the way. I don't think you're meant to stay there. You're meant to go through it into a life of resurrection and power and move on. But now and again, you need to stare at it and remember, I never got here because of me. I got here because of him. And he's never going to leave you and he'll never forsake you. And that, in that cross, there is forgiveness. The curse is broken. And by the way, somebody told me once, you need to get generation, generational curses need broke off of your life because it could have came down from your mother or down through your father. And I said, first of all, I didn't know my father. So looking for the family tree is going to be difficult because I can't even find him. So does that mean I need to stay in bondage for the rest of my life? What ionic, idiotic that is. It makes me rage inside with a righteous anger because I found another tree. And I found a person on it. And his name was Jesus Christ. And he said, I took the curse. I took your guilt. I took your shame. And I took your pain. And that is why we preach Christ in Christ crucified. And that is why we're a church. It's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. And that's why when they come into the Hope Center, we don't just give them a tea and biscuit. We give them him as well because that is the hope of the world. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We're getting sophisticated. William Booth said this, and I read this to finish from William Booth, one of my favorite guys in the whole world, said this. Now listen to this. The chief danger in the last days in the coming century will be this. You talk about a prophet. There's going to be a religion without the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you, we want God to move. But we also want to keep our dignity. And God says, lose your dignity 
and I'll give you a destiny. I don't want my, no, I don't want to fall down. Is my hair all right? When I fall down, you know, comb it on the way up. No, seriously, my mascara might run. Who cares about my hair or, or well, your eye mascara? There's a humility that goes with the moving of God, a religion without the Holy Ghost, a Christianity without Christ. The demands of Christ are ruthless. Don't love anybody more than me, not even your mum and dad or your children. What kind of call is this? What kind of religion is this? There's going to be forgiveness preached without repentance. Just come, everything's all right. No conviction of sin. Just join the club, the social events. No conviction of sin. You, I mean, you can go there now, live like a devil, come in, clap your hands. No conviction. Oh, but the Holy Ghost is coming. He convicts you, thank God. I thank God for conviction. Conviction, Condemnation draws you away from God. Conviction brings you closer. And lastly, this is what he said. Salvation without regeneration. It's funny he said this, in politics without God. Christianity without Christ. Christianity without the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness without repentance and politics without God. Friends, we preach Christ and Christ crucified. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. It's not a messenger. He needs to be pure. He needs to be clean. He needs to live right. But it's the message. It's foolishness to the wise. It's a stumbling block to the Jews at the time. Thank God many of them are coming to Christ and seeing him. But we preach Christ. That's why you're lifting your hands this morning. Because you've saw him. But are you still living in the grace? Or are you living a, a, a behavior-based righteousness that gets you in and out of his presence? Let's shake ourselves free this morning back into that grace, into that Christ. Let's leave the bags here. If there's any planks to get too quick, let's put them out. For if judged, get right. Because he loves us. We preach Christ. And Christ. Oh, I'll tell you, it lifts a burden off me. I thank God I'm not good enough. Who was it that said? He was coming out the ministry, this guy. He said, I'm leaving the ministry. I do good and everybody calls it bad. I'm doing well and people are stabbing me in the back. I'm serving people and they're spitting on me. God, they're talking about me. And God said, whatever they know about you, and whatever they've heard about you, it's nothing compared to the truth. <laughs> wow. Let's stand. Rob, did you get that?